Welcome to The Bandwidth. Here at the Band Arbitrage Network, we combine data and experience to help you grow in the world of collectible finance. I want to welcome you all. My name's Father Ken. I'm glad that you're here with us today. And we are going to be talking about all things organized play, our card movements of the week, as well as touching on the new secret layers. We've got the data. It's time for you to listen and learn a little bit more and grab some experience from us. Welcome, everybody. Father Ken here. I want to welcome Wit and Wolf as well. How are you gentlemen doing? Good, good. Drinking coffee right now. <laughs> yeah, we get we still enjoy the morning starts, but I figured I'd stop torturing you guys so much since you're uh, you're an hour or two behind. Yeah, I felt nice wow. to sleep sleep in a little bit for a change. <laughs> well, I mean, I was I was still up till five, and I'm I'm here at eight, so I'm, I'm able to do this. <laughs> get yourself some more coffee. Wow. What happens when you start fighting dependency issues in Python scripts? <laughs> <laughs> I have I have been uh getting my son up. He has not been making wise decisions on his to bedtime and his wake up time. <laughs> and so as father, I just set the alarm and I get up and then I'm awake and now I'm drinking coffee and it's fine. It's all fine. It's fine. I don't think he's okay, guys. And you know what fine stands for? No. Do I want to know? I want to Freaked know. Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Now, I've quoted that line from Italian Jobs so much. 2003, Mark Wahlberg, Shalice Theron. Great movie. Uh, actually, a remake of a 60s movie. But I've quoted that line so many times to my wife, I am not allowed to say it anymore. But it is very true anytime somebody says they are fine. They are anything but. All right. It is true. Yeah. I'll go with it. I'll go with it. <laughs> anything anything interesting and unique going on in your lives or in the world of collectible finance for you this week? Um, just a lot of wedding prep still happening. So I'm getting married uh -huh. this July. And uh yeah, we last week we got a venue. This week we have our baker, we got our caterer, and we got our photographer. So things are coming together. What what day in July? Uh July twenty second. Hmm. Road trip may be in order. It's only four and a half hours on a motorcycle. Yeah, you are pretty close to me. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I may just do it. Sweet. That'd be pretty <laughs> awesome. Wolf, how about you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. I uh, I had the fun project this last week for uh, another thing in the Discord, just to check out active users. And I was looking at the... Uh, spoilers logs and i realized that march was the calmest month since uh december of last year but even calmer in terms of new product releases mm. so i found it very interesting that it was also the most active our discord has ever been uh since actually the pandemic hit so it was curious to me to see that uh when uh, Watsi leaves a little room to breathe, people actually start talking more, which seems counterintuitive. But uh, yeah, it was interesting to see. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. One of the things that we want to talk about is the announcement from Wizards of the Coast from last week. An organized play announcement. Welcome to regional qualifiers for worlds. It's unique and interesting and different your local stores will be having an opportunity to host tournaments in their store that will qualify you for a regional tournament that regional tournament will then qualify you to play on the pro tour 
If you make it to the Pro Tour and get high enough, you will represent your nation at Worlds. Just talking with stores this past week, I went from having one, two, maybe three tournaments a quarter to now I've got one every month. And not only every month, but sometimes twice a month. It is absolutely astounding that people want to be playing for a chance to win uh, a qualification to the Pro Tour. Especially when the cash outlay is so much. Like, people have to fly into Houston to be able to play in the, in the Pro Tour qualifier. And there's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 players at that one tournament unbelievable to me yeah Yeah, i think honestly i think a lot of people just want to have a reason to play i mean ever since the ever since the pandemic hit back in 2020 like obviously organized play was completely shut down i I think there was a handful of rogue stores and a lot of Mm -hmm. play groups that were still coming together to play like commander and even after everything was starting to subside depending on where you're at it was just a lot of commander 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 with a little bit of you know a little bit of drafting here and there a little bit of standard here and there some pioneer uh, some modern, but now that, but the problem was though, it's like, okay, cool. You, you've got this great modern deck. You got this great pioneer deck. Like, so what? Like it doesn't really get you there's, anywhere. So much. There's no purpose to it. Right. But now that these events are coming back and it's like the ice thawing and it's like, great. Now, now there's a reason. Now there's a purpose. And now there's, there's a mission. There's a quest. It, 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 it brings things back together. Yeah. It's, uh, it's also fascinating too, just because I remember, because I actually go back and listen to to people's old casts for for reasons unknown. But um, just in general, the sentiment was that uh, Hasbro was talking all the way through the pandemic that you know uh, their profits were rising, the game itself was doing incredibly well, and everybody kept kind of pointing to the well, you don't really know because we don't have in person events. You could just be selling cards. Uh, you know, to people, and then it's going to come back to bite you. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's fairly obvious that uh, no, no, that uh, there is clearly some uh, some love for the game, and people are very excited to get back. And I I would probably guess that it's grown a little bit, and it might actually benefit Watsi that people have forgotten uh, over the past two years how horrendously they've mismanaged uh, play patterns before. So maybe we can we can hit that hard reset button on continuity, and maybe get it right this time. One of the very telling statements that uh, William Jensen made in his announcement was that his team had already had all of this set up. I don't know if he's trying to protect himself or if he doesn't believe in the process or if if he just is trying to build up his team. But to say that, all of this was already organized. They were just waiting for somebody to implement it. Tells me that number one, they had a plan to bring back organized play, but then secondly, they had been working on it. So what input did William Jensen have into this whole process is my question. Now I'm, I'm just reading into things a little bit deeper than I should, but I'm just concerned. I, I don't see this as part of his vision, but I see it as part of his responsibility. Yeah, I could probably see it more as, I mean, I don't know much about him, to be honest, but just just in general of what we've seen over the past two years with how 
with how Watsi and Hasbro responded regarding to the pandemic, regarding how competitive play was responded and how things were done, I would say that it, this felt more like a like a plan B or a default having to go back into because one thing I one thing that seemed like it was being pushed heavily was uh, MTG Arena and maybe a little bit of MTG Online as well because they were trying to push into the esports. They were really trying to make this a strong focus, but the, there was just not enough. People didn't really care that much. I mean, and, and I'm willing to be corrected if I'm wrong here, but I, I did not hear from anybody at my LGS talking about like worlds. I didn't hear about even content creators talking much about worlds or major events happening. It was just very forgettable and out of the way in comparison to when we actually had paper events. So I feel like this is very much Watsi trying to jump back into what is effective. And I don't know. It could be very much that they're painting a brush over it and saying, yeah, this was the plan all along. Huzzah, we're the heroes. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's a plan. And the, the biggest thing, too, is I think they made major investments into Arena and they wanted to, to push that as hard as they could, could go. And also... They make direct profit whenever Arena does well versus mm-hmm. in-person events. They make next to nothing. I mean, we all as a secondary market do, but uh, it's just uh, it's curious. You know, they're going they're going back to it a little bit. It'll be it's competitive play for for Watsi themselves is I'm pretty sure a loss leader. So it's it's fascinating that they're going back to it. I mean, obviously there's demand for it, but. Uh, Curious to see how they try and angle it so they can actually make some money off it themselves because you got to know that's coming. Yeah, most definitely things are shifting and changing in the world of collectible finance. But one thing is always true EDH drives the bus for us. Wit, what have you been seeing over the past week? What are, your, what are some of the cards that you're concerned about? Or do you just want to get witty with it? <laughs> uh, get witty with it. I, I like that. Um, I mean, I still like that. So, yeah, so I'll be honest. First off, it's, it's just been hard to keep focus on everything going on because we've just had a lot of spoilers coming out for, uh, the upcoming streets of Capenna. We've had obviously the secret layer, which we're going to probably discuss later here. And there's just a lot of, a lot of sound, a lot of noise happening in the M2G finance world, but I'm, and, but also we're start we're still continuing to see movement in the reserve list. So here is, I've got two picks today. One is going to be a card that I'm just encouraging to keep an eye out on. And another one is we're seeing movement already. Yeah. Which, you know, that doesn't sound very encouraging, but when I get there, it will hopefully make more sense. So the Mm -hmm. first card I want to go ahead and highlight here, it's called City of Solitude. This is a card from Visions. It is green, three mana, and it's basically, it says players can't cast spells if it's not their turn. It was Grand Abolisher before it was Grand Abolisher. Exactly. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's a great card. It is, it, you know, reserve buy because I, for one, I think reserveless buyouts are going to continue. They're going to continue, even if it's going to be a slower pace, faster pace, or even if we just end up having a stop completely. This is still one of the car, one of the many cards I would strongly recommend keeping an eye out for. I believe it's very undervalued because last I saw, I want to say it's around 15 bucks. And I think you could even get copies for as low as 10. But honestly, I think this card should easily be up probably around 30 or 40 bucks. It's just a, it's a solid enchantment. Um, it, it just has a very strong, powerful effect for just three mana for being an enchantment. I think um, the biggest thing it's, it's got going against it is I think a lot of players don't know it exists. 
just because it sells so few copies each month, but the effect is so powerful. I, I wonder if it just needs a bit of like a marketing campaign where somebody on a stream or something shows it, but uh, that's that's the one thing I'm I'm worried because you're right. I mean, the price point looks like it's it's right on that tipping point. It just needs something to to kind of tip it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, like if we, yeah, as you said, if we have a content creator out there that just says, hey, by the way, City of Solitude, one of the most underrated, underappreciated cards in, you know, out there, go buy a bunch, this card would spike to 50, 60 bucks overnight. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of those cards. And for the record, the reason I also bring this card up is there's other cards like it that are out there that very much could have the same effect. So watching out for cards like Retribution of the Meek, that's a great card for walls. Wall of Kelp, also for walls. Um, you also have cards like, I mean, memory jar is another card to keep an eye out on anything that is reserve list, but also playable in commander as such a beautiful combination and extreme worst case, extreme worst case. We don't see more bios happen for a while. This is one of these, these are still cards you could put in your closet for five years. And when you pull it back out, there'll be double, triple, maybe even five to 10 times more of the value. So Speaking of cards like that, though, another card that we are seeing movement on is a card called Seeds of Innocence. Now, this one I actually completely forgot until Father Ken brought this up to me, but it's a card I still very much support. Uh, I'm going to pull it up just to make sure I can get the effect right. So this card is from Mirage. It's uh, three green mana, or two green, one colorless as a sorcery. It says destroy all artifacts, and each artifact's controller gains life equal to the artifact's casting cost. So think of it as like a Shatterstorm, but green and one less mana, but gives a little bit of life as well, which not always the greatest. But again, this is a card that is seeing movement. This card was originally like for the longest time, eight to ten dollars. Then it became 20. And now we're starting to see it double up again to forty dollars. This is a card that will probably either it might hold the price point at 40. It might not. But I would say that. If you can get it below $20 anywhere on the internet or at your local game store, get it. Because this is a card that even if it settles down at the $25.30 mark, it will go back up again. Well, the reason why I leapt onto this card uh, was actually for two reasons. And uh, Witt and I talked about it before the cast, but he doesn't know the reasoning behind it. So Wolf has this amazing tool that he uses that shows velocity of sales online. And so I was able to take velocity of sales and compare it against a uh, a purchase that I was about to make. And I started looking at the cards that were on that velocity sales list. And I just scratched my head for a little bit, realized that it was an older card with lower, um, with a lower price point. It was selling eight to 10 copies every day and people were just buying it up. It was fantastic. So I I went ahead and I bought them at 15, thinking, all right, once they get here, then I'll list them. Well, for crying out loud, Direct came online with moderately plays uh, and light play card for this card. And I was able to get the Direct Premium on it. It Fantastic. Sold a copy earlier this week for over 40, bought in at 15. I'm very happy with that. The slice of pizza right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you make it sound like we have tools here at Ban or something. Like, I, I don't know. Wait what a minute. Is. Yeah, Wait what's a minute. going on? <laughs> well, to be fair, Ken did just mention one that uh, I, I have uh, 
it tailored to him, and as he said it, I actually realized uh, that actually updated last night, and I need to add you to that distribution <laughs> list. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. There went. Well, I like I'm to ruin our own sales pitch. When I'm sitting here uh, and asking for things, I I love it. If you if you just ask people for the things that you want and how you want it to look, and you you learn how to use your own tools, you make a little bit of money. It's crazy how that works. <laughs> Go figure. All right. So uh, getting back on track with <laughs> how how is how are things going as far as reserve list goes? Um, again, we're seeing movements. Uh, we're seeing movements happening. We see various different cards being bought out, cards just depleting in in supply. I mean, I think we'll we're still to see a lot more movement happen. But right now, I th- I'm just seeing supply just going down across the board. That that's kind of where it's at. It's kind of like the calm before the storm. So, yeah. So it's not it's not as exciting compared to the spoilers that we're seeing compared to, you know, secret layers compared to everything going on. But it's just very much, I don't know, to a level. If you're watching this, if you're watching supply continue to drain, it's just that like anticipation where it's like, oh man, we're about to see a lot of movements happen. So. Yeah, I would call it the silence before the storm. Well, one of the things that I was going to mention is with inflation happening, people are looking to go into longer blue chip term MTG cards that they want to be able to hold on to, especially because they're going to continue to go up in price. Uh, I saw a comparison between uh, silver and gold and a black lotus from 20 years ago. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, silver and gold. had a, a solid steady return and a black Lotus went from, from under a grand to 22 grand. So 22 times it's rate. Yeah. And I think that's actually very fair to point out too, because, and and I've seen a lot of people on, you know, in different finance communities talk about this as well. Cause right now the finance community, just general, not even MTG or hobby finance. Um, we're talking about people investing into Bitcoin, into cryptocurrencies, into NFTs. Uh, but also people are starting to talk about, investing into hobbies for a better diversification of their mm-hmm. portfolio. And this is definitely an area I strongly recommend. Like if, if you're someone out there that is like not sure about magic, the gathering or investing into hobbies, but you do dividends, you do, you know, Roth IRAs and all this other stuff, you build up your own portfolios. It doesn't hurt to pick up the kind of cards that I suggest, because again, these are cards that build up your portfolio, you could take a card like City of Solitude, you buy it for 15, 20 bucks, you stash it away for five years, and it can come back out at 80 to $100. Yeah. Just makes sense to me. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my shelf of sealed product, and it's sitting here begging me to open them, and I'm trying to decide what to do. I don't have to do anything, though, and it, that's a good thing. Wolf, you were going to add some uh, some comments in there? Oh, yes. Uh, now I have a, a bit of a rant, but uh, I Go don't for know it. how. Uh, anytime anybody compares investing in collectibles to the stock, the stocks of any kind, they clearly do not understand financial markets at all. Because even though collectibles might, for particular items, <laughs> increase 22x, first and foremost, nobody's ever holding it for that 22x. And it's the same thing with stocks. You take the gains when you get the gains. And if you don't, you have 
uh, very poor investment strategies and it might pay off sometimes, but not in general. Secondly, you can get in and out of stocks like that. I mean, that that's pure liquidity right there. You can buy in, you can get out anytime you want. You buy collectibles, you're caught holding the bag up or down. Uh, and even if it goes up, you can potentially miss a lot of your profit because you can't get out of it fast enough. You forgot you had it. And the, it's the I've seen, I think Saffron Olive did this probably months ago now where he compared it to like Tesla stock or something. It's like, you're insane. Like <laughs> collectibles for diversification what to what you said, yeah, it's great, but it should always be a, a a very, very small minority if you're counting it as an investment strategy unless it's really your core strength, and it takes a lot of work to make it your core strength, so um, oh, absolutely, yeah. well, because I mean, as you said, like you have to it's easy to buy in, but you have to find an out as well. that's what makes this a lot more complicated. Um, I mean, on the plus side, compared to the stock market, stock market is regulated, has all these laws, these rules. While when it comes to MTG finance, as well as Pokemon finance, Yu-Gi-Oh finance, etc., it's like the wild, wild west. You could go ahead and do pretty much whatever you want. Um, but again, though, you have to have an out. You have to, and you know. So, for example, you know, take for example, there's a big news thing that came out that Elon Musk bought three billion dollars worth of Twitter, or sorry, Twit. No, yeah, Twitter. 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 That stuff. Yeah, so he 11%. just yeah yeah so he bought that massive amount this morning you know the markets are open he can easily just sell that right now now if you had say city of solitude you had you know three thousand copies okay you have to have a way to get out of that so that means you have to have three thousand buyers or you need to have buy lists that can handle that capacity which I think one of the biggest ones would be Card Kingdom, and I think they might pick up 50 or 60 at most, and that's 50 or 60 out of 3,000. So that means, congratulations, you got rid of 60 car- copies. You have 2,960 copies left to liquidate. Yeah. Nowhere have I seen this better recently than with the Winota buyout from the, the play announcement. And people, you know, you run out, you, you buy a bunch of, you buy a stack of these, and then everybody's patting themselves on the back because it shows up on MTG stocks. Good luck getting rid of all those copies. Even if you, even if they go up in value, like buy lists are not going to be buying, you know, more than eight, 16 at a time as they gradually creep price up. You send those in, it's going to tank the price again. Mm. So you're playing this waiting game and everybody's like, well, the stock went up. It's like, no, it didn't because you can't sell it. Right. (laughs) Yep. All right. Rant over. (laughs) <laughs> rant over <laughs> i'm still gonna let you talk though um tell me what's going on in your in your warren wolf wolf's warren uh wanted to briefly compare what uh kind of what i was talking about last week in terms of uh the kamigawa neon destiny still kind of ruling the uh ruling the marketplaces um, Odawara has actually, Odawara, the Soaring City, has actually become the best-selling card this week. Uh, still has a quarter of purchases looking uh, pretty dubious, but uh, at this point we've had two straight weeks, so that's pretty strong demand. So it looks like people are just stocking up more copies on, than average, so kind of lends credence to, to that one probably having some legs underneath it for a little while, and the price points finally creeping up in the right direction, but they sold 620 copies. 
The the next closest to that was Besiju, who's kind of been the the king since Neon Dynasty came out, down at 580 copies. So uh, people are are quite keen on Odawara, and it seems to be still for the moment gaining steam. So as people are kind of I guess getting getting comfortable with it or seeing it more and more, it, it continues to have legs. Um, March of the Otherworldly Light and Farewell are both right underneath that. So, I mean, those are the four cards right now which are really driving sales out of, out of Neon Dynasty. Uh, the Wandering Emperor kind of came onto the scene, but I think the price point is making that one a little bit prohibitive just because compared to the, the other ones, which are, you know, $5 to $10 cards, Besiju. Uh, obviously, it's its own case, but uh, you tend to see as that price point goes up, people tend to buy fewer of them even if the revenue it creates uh continues to climb do would you say that part of the reason is because people have their copies and product is still being open so therefore we're still seeing an increase of supply and the demand is somewhat still there but it's decreasing because people have their copies i mean i would say the demand is is steady enough i would expect what might be happening in general is just when people open it they keep it because it's a 20 dollar card now instead of just listing it or not really caring about it now it's something that you you're gonna leave in your collection because it has worth if you open it right up so it might mean that uh fewer of the fewer people are actually going to to list it but i don't know that's a that's a total guess on my part i would say that march of the otherworldly light is a fantastic edh and modern playable card we are going to see it in the right shell for blue white control in pioneer as well it's just a great removal spell all the way around the block and it's probably a little bit better than any of the other you know you could throw a couple of cards to exile that you can bring back out of exile lastly outside of that i just want to point out because ken you called these actually what? Uh, with the return to play yeah the chandra dress to kill and <laughs> karn the creator they're both showing up in the top thirty here. They they got no business being here in the on the usual you know in uh, mm-hmm. calm times. So I have to uh, I have to kind of put that as a feather in your cap. I think for for predicting those two out of uh, just regular play coming back. So one of the things I'd like to point out is I am just watching tournament play right now. I'm 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 not paying attention to anything else. I've I've had like three tournaments in the past month. Um, I've got another one on Saturday and watching people play magic and being in the stores has been really helpful for me to be able to get back on my horse of being able to understand what's going on in the world of collectible finance. So remember, go play. Don't, don't just buy and sell, but don't be me. (laughs) Better role model. (laughs) Wolf knows his, his role. So I'm, he, he knows exactly what he's good at and he keeps doing it and keeps making money on it. I will. Uh, I, I do want to throw one more out here, just because I like it. And I think it's fun. Um, Ophiomancer out of the Commander Collection Black. Now, if you ask me what that set is or was, I have no idea. Um, but that card just quietly doubled in value this week. So one just to to take note on. It's only got two printings. It's a pretty fun card in EDH. Uh, gives you the one one black snake with Death Touch every upkeep. So I uh, just wanted to, to keep an eye on if you didn't see that coming. Ophiomancer is a fantastic card in EDH as well as in Cube. I love playing it in both spots, but I don't play casual EDH. And 
what? cube is just fantastic. I love getting Ophiomancer and Pack Rat in cube. Just makes me laugh every single time I do that. One of the things that one of the things that we're really focusing in on, and wit, you can interrupt me if you want right now. <laughs> Sorry, go for it. Go for it. One of the things that's been really interesting to us is we have been paying very close attention to the secret layers as they come out. We have some amazing resources here in the Bandit Arbitrage Network that spend a lot of time looking at secret layers, and they are deep into the research. We have a small team that does it, very small that it's usually just one person doing it, perhaps another couple that are jumping in. And we absolutely love when they give us a report, and we are releasing it here before we release it to our Discord in general. This will come out later on today, tomorrow for our Discord, but you'll get this after they get it. But we're sharing it here first. So if you're listening in the Discord to this right now, you'll be able to hear exactly what we're talking about. Wolf, I'm going to let you kind of steer the bus on the discussion and I'll try to keep us focused, but let's have at it. We've we've got a pretty good setup of secret layers this time, right? Yes, yes, indeed. Um, I w- I'll be very honest right from the outset that this was the first time I looked at secret layers and realized that none of them were for me. So take my opinions with a grain of salt, knowing that, that that's my personal opinion. But uh, Hidden Agenda here, uh, he, he wrote uh, a tome, actually truly impressive, uh, literally upon request. Of all of these uh, secret layers that have come out, just with his thoughts on them, basically the themes of them, the the money cards, the EV. So without further ado, we're just going to start out with the finally left-handed magic cards. So uh, if you look at this on the secret layer site, this is the one that has just one second. Let me make sure I don't lie to you. This is the one with Empress Galena. This has Garrick, Collar of Beast. This a Weatherlight Captain, Geralt's Messenger, and Rograk, Rograk, son of yeah, that's beyond me. Um, but this is um, kind of a, a kind of a joke humor theme but the the first time foils there's there's not really except for empress galena she seems to be kind of weight bearing this this entire secret lair she's really the the only money card in it the ev of this they're going to be charging thirty dollars for the non-foil and 40 for the foil right now the the value of these cards is 34 dollars on tcg players so can expect that this is uh, probably not going to be a value play. Um, you know, there's there's five cards. There's probably going to be a bonus, but the the playability is is pretty low on this one. It looks like they're trying to hit some some fun EDH yeah you know, play patterns, but uh, very very um, unique cards that I don't really think see that much play. Do you guys have any thoughts on this one? It's not bad. I mean, I think the I mean, you have a full full Empress Galena. I mean, Drops Messenger is decent value as well, but for the most part, I think that's just going to be for a niche crowd. Um, I would say it's kind of funny because some people, you know, actually don't like seeing it because everything is on the opposite sides. So mm-hmm. it could be very much like a troll play if you're trying to collect this for casual for your commander decks. But yeah, beyond this, I wouldn't say this is a big like monetary gain here. So that's where I stand. Yeah. 
Well, I'm I'm going to share something personal here. My uh-huh. my grandfather is left-handed. And my grandfather taught me how to play spades with him. You know, we we would jump between spades and hearts and hand and foot. Now these are all very midwestern games. But he taught me how to play and he also taught me how to hold my cards. So I hold my cards in my left hand. And I play everything with the right hand. So having the symbols switch like that is actually kind of nice to me. Hmm. It's a you little sh- bit different. You strike me as the kind of guy who plays with his lands in front of his creatures, aren't you? No, that's that's not okay for organized <laughs> play. Come on. You, you know that. That's just wrong. <laughs> no. I, I do see the appeal to left-handed people on this. It is funny and interesting, but... Clever idea. Yeah, it's very clever. I will say, too, because, you know, a lot of the secret layers tend to, uh, you know, rely on the art. You know, sometimes they do the artist focus. So for me personally, I mean, I love the artwork on Groot Collar of Beast, but you mean you put a wolf on it, I'm probably going to be there. But uh, just in general, at least my take on the artwork is these look like they could have just been printed in a regular, regular old set. Like the the art is very, uh, I would say, you know, standard. You know, we'll, we'll get to some later where I think they went way over the top, but uh, I don't think this one is going to be able to kind of rest on the the artwork itself. It's more the format design and, and just the style of it, right? Yeah. We yep. give this one a rating out of three out of five. It's yep. very nice to have Empress Galena, but they really don't see a whole lot of play outside of maybe Cube, but even then it's... Not really strong playable patterns. It's not really something people are going to collect a lot of. Yeah. So. So. Yeah. Purchase purchase the individual cards that you want out of it in the secondary market. Have at it that way. Yeah. I think that's. I think that is the best play to to go about it. If, I mean, if you want anything from this, the potential opportunity. Just because I don't think anybody's going to really want to buy these. So the impact on really just Empress Galena itself. The rest of those cards are pretty meh uh might be pretty minimal so might be a nice play but uh it's it's definitely a niche one um moving on and i think this one is really going to be the one that that bears the load for this for this entire group and this is the showcase streets of new capenna with the four color commanders from 2016 with with some unique art uh, this has uh, both Atraxa, Brea, and Yidris, I believe. And the artwork on this one is pretty unique. But the really important thing is that these are three top 100 commanders of all time. And the number one, which is Atraxa. Uh, so they know who they're trying to appeal to. And it's got a very kind of unique art that really ties in well with New Capenna. Uh, I wonder, have we seen them tie in secret layers with the the standard set coming out as it's coming out yet? Uh, we did see it the last time with the uh, actually last couple times. So the last time we had the Neo Destiny with the I forgot the name of the ninja guy, but we had a whole secret layer for him. Yuriko. And then, uh, I don't know. It wasn't Yuriko. No, it was the Kaido. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. We're in the chat so uh yeah kaido we had a secret layer that was based around him and th- that art style and i think before that i think we had a bunch of um sort of like the double 
oh my gosh, what the heck is it called? The double, not double showcase, but what the double, sh- oh my gosh, I can't, so I can't remember the name of it, but it was the, the Innistrad set that had uh, both sets together with a weird artwork. Yeah, so I mean, it's double it's, feature, double feature. There you go. <laughs> Good lord! Uh, again, I need more. It's time. early, guys. Yeah, it's, it's early. It's early. Yeah. So yeah, they had the double feature secret layer. So I think we've had something to that effect, but I think this is a little bit more honed in on the actual art style itself. So take it for what's Be- worth. Yeah, and then just to to get this out of the way real quick, the price of this uh, product is fifty dollars. Keep in mind that's fifty dollars for three cards. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think they really want it to be successful. Uh, the TCG low value uh, just of when we did notes, obviously with the announcement it could go lower, but is $44.50, so you're already a little bit below. I really like the Brea art on this one, just because I think it's really unique. The Atraxa one, I suspect, is going to have a lot more competition, just given the extended art out of Double Masters, and uh, I think there's there's a lot of versions of that, but... Uh, also, Holler Out uh, Hidden Agenda mentioned that he's he's guessing that Kanaios and Tiro is going to be the bonus card on this one. But overall rating of four out of five. What do you guys think of that? You know, I I don't like the Art Deco style. I don't think it, I don't it went far enough in Art Deco to really make it um, make it appealing. But at the same time, people need the copies. They're going to buy it. If people want to play four color, they're they're going to buy these, and if they didn't get in on the original, you know, four color commanders back in 2016, they're going to snap these up and and play them. I can't uh, I can't look at Yidris without seeing Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I love the artwork. I mean, even the Yidris is not that bad. Like, at least for me, because I mean, mm-hmm. it's just kind of nice to see Yidris with a different art. I mean, and it's not like the worst. I would say it's the best. I think I like the original a little bit better. But yeah, I think the artwork is great. I think the commander picks are pretty solid. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can see myself personally buying one for personal, but yeah, for an investment, I would say it's all, it's solid, but definitely not like a home run like what we've seen in the past. Yeah, yeah, and then the the overall recommendation here is probably I don't think many people actually want all three of these, right? I mean, they're all pretty unique in their own right, so. Uh, recommendation here would be not to buy these kits individually. Either get a bundle, which has it tied in, or just wait until release and just snag the one you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alrighty. Moving on up to the east side. We're going on to the special guest, the Matt Jukes. Uh, this is, the theme here is the abstract landscape, the the ally checklands. Now, being the, the weirdo that I am, this is probably the art that I most appreciate, even though, according to Charlie, uh, his, and I quote, nine-year-old niece could do better, which <laughs> tells me that I'm a unique individual myself. So, you know, when I, we all have our preferences with the art, uh-huh. but this one is listing at twenty nine ninety nine for the non-foils, 40 for the foils. Um, the value of this is awful. The TCG low is already $24. It's probably not going to get any better. You know, the these are, um, you know, lands you see and just casual EDH, you know, in and out. They're, they're there, but they're never special. These aren't really flashy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see a high premium here at all. Just Hidden Agenda saying the same thing. And 
Um, this this looks really, even though I like the style of it, this looks like uh, probably, I'd say, one of the bigger duds of this. What are you guys' thoughts? So the first brush that I've had from everyday players is that they actually really like the art. Mm. Um, but this is the second special treatment of these lands that we've had in the past, you know, five years. Yeah. And there's so many of them out on the market right now. What, what are we really going to continue to do these, you know, pretty modern era cards and redo them in special treatments quite a bit. Pretty soon we're going to get to a spot where we can pick and choose the different art styles that we like for any given card. Mm -hmm. And there's just going to be so many different arts out there that people can, can just have what they want. So I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to, to buy into these, even though the art style is actually more appealing to me than the art deco. Um, even though I don't like this style of art. Yeah. I would say that honestly, for me, I just don't really care for the artwork very much. I mean, I like the color schemes, but this just doesn't, you know, fit my fancy. I guess you could say like I, the playability is good. I think the value wise is not terrible. Um, and I agree with you, Father Ken, that like, yeah, we're going to, we've seen more, we've seen these in the past with various artworks and we're going to see more of these in the future, which I think that's actually really nice because that just adds more of that uniqueness and creativity in regards to people crafting their, you know, their commander decks or even their modern or standard decks. Or, well, maybe not so much standard, but modern or pioneer. But yeah, I would also ultimately say for me, this one's probably a pass for me. Not terrible, yeah. but not you know, it doesn't make me jump from my seat and be like, oh, I want this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was I was gonna make the the play that you know a little vain, but like when you play some of these secret lair cards, uh, at least with the ones that I I buy because I, I love the artwork on them. When you put them down, you want somebody to like be across the table, and be like, oh, what is that? And I don't think these do that. And if they were to do a third one of these with artwork that just you know was more appealing. Uh, I would probably drop these like a hot pocket for that. So it's it's a very cool and unique you know style, but I don't think it it has enough oomph um, to to help it survive. I guess in the in the environment that we're in. Uh, alrighty. Any other thoughts on that one before we we move on to uh, our lowest rated one? And by the way, we rated the the lands at a three out of five. Uh, probably a two to three out of five. Uh, I would adjust that hidden agenda. Give it three out of five. I'm a little less high on it um what do you guys think of that rating i think that's fair i was gonna give it three out of seven (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna change the scale folks uh such a magic player Um, (laughs) we're gonna gonna move on to the and i apologize you guys you've got to know that my pronunciation skills are, are terrible but we're moving on to the Magali Villeneuve, uh, the art series that has uh, the Elvish Mystic, the Mother of Runes, Death Shadow, and Forest. And this is probably going to be the only one that I, I disagree with Hidden Agenda on quite, quite a bit. Uh, but this price point is $30 for the non-foil and $40 for the foils, so pretty standard. But the TCG low value of these cards are, is only $11. So if you look at it strictly from an EV to a price point, it it is it's not that it looks like it. It's a terrible deal. Uh, but I, I'll I'll get into some reasons why I don't think that's necessarily a fair way to look at it. But uh, 
The important thing here, I think, is that the playability here, uh, Hidden Agenda has marked down it's medium, all cards have a competitive format they see playing. Uh, I think that's high, and I think it's quite crucial because I think all of these cards are four ofs, unless you're doing that forest, in which case you're going to need like 11 or 12 probably. So I think the purchasing habits of anybody wanting any of these is going to be much higher than usual. This is not for EDH, really. I think this is more for uh, four ofs, which I really enjoy. I think that demand profile is going to make this a little bit stronger than it looks. Uh, what about you guys? What do you think? So these Villanueva cards are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, I agree. It is a very classical styling. It reminds me a lot of the... Um, what set was that? Uh, the Fable set. It reminds oh, me a lot. Uh, yes, it reminds me a lot of Eldraine. And I, I think these are absolutely gorgeous. Um, that forest, people are going nuts for it already. It is probably the most beautiful forest that we've seen in recent years. Uh, just the amount of art, the different colors, the styling of it is very, very unique and interesting. It draws my attention. It gets me focused. To have all of these different arts are fantastic. But I have to say, how many different Mother of Runes are we going to get? <laughs> yeah. Like this has to be like the fourth or fifth secret layer mother of runes. People keep buying them. Yeah, I'm with uh Father Ken on this. I think this is a beautiful secret layer, especially the forest. And yeah, like when I saw this, I think my first thought was like Mother of Runes again. Like uh, that could have easily been a giver of runes. That that would have been a lot more welcomed. And yeah, I was, uh, that was just disappointing to see. Cause yeah, we already have tons of moms already floating about. Um, I love the Elvish mystic artwork. I think that's just phenomenal. And I, yeah, the force is great. And honestly, I think the death shadows are like, it's just good artwork all around. I think yeah. the value is relatively there. And uh, yeah, and I saw the rating that hidden gave it. I would say I would probably give it a bit, you know, a bit higher. I don't know if this yeah. is still like a, a solid, like, Oh my gosh, you have to max out your card on this. But goodness, I would at least be watching the single prices. Like, I'm not probably not so much mob, but definitely the Death Shadow, the Elvish Mystic, and the Forest. Like, if they, any of those dip too low, you know, and you see bricks of them, buy them. Just, just you know, load up. These are beautiful artworks. People want them. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I like what you said too. I think the, I think Elvish Mystics probably actually in the same boat as Mother of Runes, just because there, yeah. there are so many printings, but. When people get one, you're going to want four with the same art in general. But I think Death Shadow is definitely the, the money card in this. And then I would actually say the Forced, I would, I would wager, is probably going to have greater value than the Elvish Mystic or the Mother of Runes. Solely because they're only putting one in each. You know, it's a set of four cards, but you're going to want 11 or 12 of those Forests. Which means the, uh, you know, it's, they're, they're doing this more and more lately. It's very sneaky. Uh, where if you want these basic lands, you know... They're only putting one in each, so the demand or the uh, supply is going to be much more hamstrung than everything else in that in that product. So, looks cheap on the surface, but uh, I think it'll. I think that demand profile will will add up quite a bit. What do you think would be a good price point to buy the forest? Like, what do you think would be like what to look for price wise? Like, what's the cap? Do you think? Oh, I don't. Oh, I'd be talking totally, um, totally out of my rear because. 
I don't actually buy these myself, but I mean, I would I would say probably around like the two buck range if you can get a if you can get a, a load of them because uh, and obviously I hate foils. I'll never touch foils, but just the I don't know. I feel like people will criminally undervalue these until they go to get them for a deck because they like the art and they're like, oh, I have to shell out forty bucks for you know basic lands for my deck. I guess I'll do that. Yeah, honestly, if it goes down to two dollars, I would personally probably just buy out like all of it up to the point of like four or five bucks. I, I think like these forests are just beautiful. They're going to be very much sought out. I'm, I'm, I don't know what the floor is going to be. Maybe the floor might just be down to a dollar. Maybe it might be ten dollars. But I think if it goes down to if it goes down to two dollars, that's just it's just time to just straight up buy as much as possible. Alrighty. So but that's and- just me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's beautiful. It's just out of my wheelhouse, so I'm definitely going to default to you on that one. Um, so Hidden Agenda, again, gave that that one a 2 out of 5. I'm more akin to give it at least a 3 out of 5, if not a 4. I quite like that one, but uh, again, that that if you look strictly at the EV, yeah, that's, that's, that's rough, buddy. Um, yeah. Moving on, we've got the artist series, the Siddharth Chaturverdi. Oh my goodness, there's so many, these names are from all over, it's it's very difficult, I apologize for anybody who has any kind of uh, sense of what is right. Um, We have four cards in this one, the price is $30 for the non-foil, $40 for the foil. Now, from an EV play, this one actually, I think, is one of the only ones, if not the only one, whose current value is above uh, what they're going to be listing this for, and that is $41.52 plus the basic. However, uh, there is a first-time foil with Concordant Crossroads, but it's really only Concordant Crossroads that you're, you're purchasing in this one. And just to clarify for everybody else who might be listening and not, you know, not necessarily watching, this one has Concordant Crossroads, which is the world enchantment. All creatures have haste for one in a green. And then it's Nomad Outpost, which I have no idea why that's here. Uh, Ghost Quarter, um, okay. Nice art. Uh, and then an island. So this is really, um, you're just buying it from Concordant Crossroads. Yeah. But it's Old Man in the Sea Island. That is true. You know, I yeah, didn't, yeah. you know, there's no Marlin and I can't see his hand. So I, that was well, completely over my head. I'm, I'm wrong. It's not old man in the sea. There's two people in it. In uh, the boat. I'm wrong. All right. We won't hold it against you this time. Next time though. I'm but this Stick is, uh, <laughs> I, this is just an extremely lopsided one, right? Why, why nomad outpost? Why ghost right? quarter? Is there a, is there like a theme from from card to card? Is there a story being told? Yes, I, there uh, is. There is a story being told, and it's being told in the flavor in text? the flavor text. So I believe I believe the first card is Nomad Outpost. The old okay. woman. Are you ready? Here Go it is. It. The old woman murmured her last words, too hoarse, too quiet to understand. The envoy steeled herself, feebly disguising her grief. The pilgrimage begins at dawn. Upon searching, upon scattering, oh no, we'll, we'll go to the concordant crossroads next. 
The endless spectral envoy crashed against the envoy's hiding spot. What are you, they taunted, fighter or failure? Give in, daughter of the dead, and join your ancestor in eternal slumber. And then the final call card is Ghost Quarter. Upon scattering her grandmother's ashes, the envoy was bathed in a warm spectral glow. So it tells the story of the scattering, the, the death and scattering of ashes of a of a grandmother and an envoy. And it seems to be the story is that she is in the boat and then going to the outpost, dying and scattering the ashes. It's this is this is odd. This is just so odd for so many reasons because this is an item that seems and please tell me if I'm wrong, but it seems 100% geared towards collectors because you will never have all three of these cards out at the same time. You're right. never going to be able to to read this story across like it's, you know, I think it's kind of cute. You know, you've got the concordant crossroads, which gives them haste. They run to the nomad outpost and then from the nomad outpost. You know, it's it's a ghost quarter, so there's a story as well with the names of the cards themselves. So this is very clearly, in my mind, designed to sit in a binder. And when somebody goes, why do you have these cards together? You can basically tell them that story. But uh, yeah, this is... And then they put the single money card in there, I think, to try and drive the sales because they didn't have too much faith that people would, would uh, like the story unto itself. But uh, I, it's not for me. Yeah, well, and the hard part too, like on on the fact that you're saying like this is probably not going to be in the same deck. Each of the cards minus the ghost quarter are all for different decks, for yeah. different colors. So you would have to run a five color deck that would want Nomad Outpost, which that's acceptable. Concorded Crossroads, the Island, fine, and the Ghost Quarter. Like it could happen, but again, it's like okay, like it would have been so much nicer if this was just kept with one or two colors or more playable cards rather than. Nomad Outpost or Ghost Quarter. Well, yeah, but I think I wonder if they let, or I wonder if they let the artists choose the cards they want to do because this seems so geared towards storytelling. Um, yeah. Not like playability never entered this this sphere at all. It's almost like the artist was like, "I want to tell a story. What kind of cards can we put together? This is the kind of story I want to do," and they put this together. So. I mean, from this is almost like you know the the piece of art you put on the wall. You can talk about, but you're you're never gonna like uh, I don't know. Nobody's ever gonna come over to your your house and be like, oh, I want to look at that. It's just, and you're gonna have to make a point of making it the focal point. Um, a lot of effort surrounding this one, both in terms of I think design and and setting up the flavor text and the storytelling, but also to to further that once you buy it is gonna be very difficult. So I think this one's a little bit too ambiguous for me. Yeah, just looking at the overview on online, that's exactly what he wanted to do, the artist wanted to do, um, to tell the story of of grief, struggle, success. And they just picked arts and cards to throw them on. So oh, actually it's actually interesting too. In the concordant crossroads you can see the uh it looks like um the grandmother there getting struck with the arrow and then she dies in the nomad outpost art. And then, uh, you got the daughter and then the daughter sailing away. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, but yeah. 
a lot of a lot of things that you've got to really sit down and analyze to understand it, which I think will definitely keep away a broader audience. Yeah, and then you can decide where the island fits in in this in yeah. this story. So yeah, start or end. It could be both. Oh, look at them putting morals in there. Or it could be in the middle. Oh, but that's weird. That's a different take. Look at you changing the the scale on me again. Oh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Alrighty, we've got a, we've got uh, it looks like a couple more here to go through. So, uh, any other thoughts on this one? I think we I think we actually probably dissected this one the longest, just in terms of of just what is it. I I got to be honest. I think this is the only one I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy a foil of it. <laughs> but even even still, I may pick up two of them, and then I may throw in one of the other ones just just so I don't have to pay shipping. You know. <laughs> but, gotcha. I'm, I'm really struggling to buy in on this, on this whole secret layer. Yeah. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. I mean, this is a good one. I like the, I like the concordant crossroads, but again, it's just, man, it's just, it's basically, you know, art, your artist series concordant crossroads. That's it. This is literally the only reason I would want to buy this and I'm, yeah, I think I'd rather just buy the, the single copies themselves, but. Yeah. This, this feels like this is a product for the dungeon master. This, this is for somebody who can, can, who enjoys telling that story and is going to create the whole experience around it and, and have fun with it. And, and if that's you, yeah, we got you a product here, but, uh, well, yeah. Alrighty. I think we, we've covered that one in enough, uh, detail. So we'll, we'll go ahead and we'll hit the, the Gimli one, the, the dwarves, which is selling for $30 non-foil, $40 for foil. The TCG low for this product is $13, so there's much to be desired. Um, you want to talk about reprints, we got Torbrand, Thane of Redfell again. Um, we have Dapala, Pilot Exemplar, which I get, she's a dwarf. Uh, Balthor the Defiled, which is decent. And Sram, Senior Edificer, which seems to be really, in my mind, the only decent, uh, well, at least for me, I think EDH, I guess. Uh, Shram seems to be the one bearing the load of the value on this one, but uh, this is I I I don't care for it at all. I mean, I get it; it's dwarves. Dwarves can be a cool theme, but outside of that, I just think this is in no way, shape, or form any kind of financial or even necessarily collectible play. Because I think there's probably uh, I'm not a big fan of the art style on it. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, they obviously didn't follow the lore of dwarves. You know, a dwarf has to have a beard unless they're in mourning. So if we look at Depala, if we look at Depala, if we look at Sram, they're in mourning. That's just how it goes. I thought they just wanted to make Depala look girly. Like that, that was my entire thing. Wait a minute. Have you, don't you know that all dwarves have beards? Uh, 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 of course. Um, uh, I I had that knowledge on standby. No, I I knew it from Lord of the Rings, literally from Lord of the Rings, the extended edition. Yes, uh, but uh, I mean, I with the Paula, I just assumed it was that, and I never even it never occurred to me that they would be in mourning. I had no idea that that was. Today I learned something. To to see the Paula so excited to drive a a scooter, and she doesn't have a beard, and she's in mourning. That. It doesn't doesn't work for me. Yeah, that's one hell of a scooter, though. You see that filigree? 
fine. fine. <laughs> maybe it's just a different culture. Because, I mean, she is at Kaladesh, so maybe it's just... She's a dwarf, though. Yeah, well, I don't know. Do you imagine how many times a day she would have to shave to keep her face clean shaven? Uh, a lot. <laughs> Unless uh. she has, like, weird genetics. All right, I think I think we're gonna we're gonna pull off this tear a little bit and just <laughs> overall thoughts on on the dwarf secret lair. So, all right, so the this one it's I've got a couple thoughts real quick. So first off, I love the art. I absolutely love really? the art. All right, I, I it's just really really cool. I, it, it reminds me of Pathfinder to be honest. The sad part is is just monetarily it's just bad it's just so bad balthor is the most expensive card around 10 to 11 dollars torbrand's about a dollar sram's about a dollar depaul's about a dollar so it's like it's just not good um so it's, it's just heartbreaking to see good artwork go towards these cards but at the end of the day it's just not worth it so i would probably say go into singles if you know if anybody has any interest in this but also one thing i'm a little bit curious on because we did mention with the atraxa one that there's probably going to be an extra card that could be very much uh, Kanaios and the Melitus couple. But the thing is, though, I'm wondering, what if this has another dwarf that actually has good value that's that, you know, that extra fifth? So, because this is just criminal, criminal, criminal English, criminally <laughs> undervalued money-wise, I just can't help but wonder, like, do we have something else that's going to be driving this up that we just don't know about yet? I mean, yeah, if, if there's always the possibility too, because we know how common the, the bonus cards are, but uh, that's one hell of a gamble on, on this product. Oh, definitely. Like, I would probably, if I was, for me personally, I might buy just maybe. Either I'm going to mm. buy one or I'll just wait for the singles and let that be. But yeah, it is a hell of a gamble. Um, yeah, besides that though, like, I would probably steer clear of this one unless you're even if it's personal just buy the singles all right yeah. so we're i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the most expensive dwarves out there right now are you ready far away balthor the depressed. defiled balthor the defiled Ooh. which which is a, a legendary creature zombie dwarf minion creatures get plus one plus one Three black, exile Balthor the Defiled. Each player returns all black and red creatures from their graveyards to the battlefield. Eleven bucks. Yep. So yep. that tribe is properly supported. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, and then begs the question, I mean, if they did, you know, if they did an elves one. Wait a second. Uh, Balthor is already in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'll let you finish. I'll let you finish. Wait a minute. So, so the next one is is dwarven blood boiler. Tap and untap dwarf. You control target creature gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. Oh, that's we got to nerf that right away. Seven and a half bucks. Oh, we got to nerf that. We oh got Magda maybe for a dollar. I don't that's know. Fair magic dwarves. Come on. Maybe some sort of artifact that said, I don't know. I, that's what, I, like what? I said, like, like I said, super optimism. I'm not going to buy this. I'll buy the singles, but yeah, I was just saying like, eh, maybe, but maybe not. Probably not. I love it. Right. It just, it just makes me laugh. 
Alrighty. Uh, unfortunately, I think that one got a rating of two out of five. I would give it one out of five because I'm not a fan of the artwork, but I, I'll, I'll, I think two out of fives is fair as we can get. What do you guys think? Eh? Art wise, four out of five. Yeah. Purchasability, financial, actually being wise about this, one out of five. It's just <laughs> Thank you. okay. It's <laughs> just, like I, I cry seeing how beautiful this artwork is and it's on cards that I just don't want to financially invest into. I'll just buy the singles and move on. Yep. Alrighty. Uh, now I'm going to... Oh, Ken, do you have anything else? I'm, I'm just exhausted, man. I am <laughs> exhausted by this secret layer already. Well, we're <laughs> on our last one, and uh, I'm going to say this. Uh, there has never been a secret layer drop that I thought is quite so ugly and just truly... Uh, you want to talk about a card. I love Void Winner, and the artwork on this is... I mean, this is clearly not geared towards anybody who's an adult, uh, in my mind. Um, it's, it's just not the demographic, but just some totally normal guys. The theme is weird, out there art. It's cartoony. It looks straight off of, like, Cartoon Network. Um, four cards selling for $30, $40 for the foil. TCG low is uh, $30, and uh, that's not including the Goblin Settler because that is a first-time foil. So the card selection, actually, I think it probably has the best set of cards in it. However, um, I I wouldn't want to be seen in public with this art. Like, it's... <laughs> I, I, the collector, oof. Eh, I mean, I like holding watermelons next to my foxy head. I don't know. It's It's... The veg vine is cute. Like the veg vine, I, I think is is cute enough. But the void winner is creepy. Um, I don't. I I just can't. I can't get on board with this one. What do you guys think? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I. You know, it's like where. It's like where the wild things are meets meets modern art. Two things I, I never thought we would ever have to let meet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, all right, moving on. Yeah. Moving so, on. Yeah, I would have to say this was so bad to see. Because it's like, on you know, the one we just talked about, the dwarves, it's like, oh man, I love the artwork. So cool. Makes me think of Pathfinder. Love it. That, no value there. This, on the other hand, is like, okay, if you look at just the cards, take away the artworks, like there's a lot of value here. Like, because the Goblin Settler was a Void Winnerer and the Venge Vine are fantastic. Even the Collector Oof is a $5 card. But then you look at the artworks and I'm just like, this is absolutely hideous. Like, to each his own. There's probably some people that really yeah. love this artwork. Fine. Go for it. There's going to be a niche crowd. I just can't see myself. Like, like what you said, Wolf, I can't see myself in public ever having these cards. Unless I'm intentionally trying to hurt people with visual, you know, pictures. Well, yeah. The, the well, Void Winner one, too, just for me, I don't, I know there's a term for it, but when something has a bunch of like tiny holes on it, it creeps the ever loving crap out of me. And I can't look at Void Winner without having that, like, that, like, literally in my gut, like, oh, no, get away. Um, <laughs> which is hard to, I, I, I don't think I've ever looked at a magic card and thought that. And, it's just I, I have to scroll up right now to to not look at it. Just oof. 
<laughs> got the willies. <laughs> got the shivers in my back. I can't. Oh, all so right. The, that oh, being said, that being said, I think people are going to actively avoid this, so it may be worth buying. Yeah. Because so few people will actually buy it. The question is, is will the foiling be good enough to not create massive curl to uh, buy foil goblin settler? Nobody say anything. Let him live in the optimism. This is, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you here with us today. I'm going to end it right there because I don't know how to end this otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Mission accomplished. We did it, boys. So before we end, is there anything else you gentlemen would like to share? And editing and getting this out today is going to be a treat. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't finished Breakfast with Man from earlier this week. It's going to be fantastic. So I want to thank everybody for joining us here on the Ban Arbitrage Network, where we combine data and experience to help you understand the world of collectible finance a little bit better. Thank you for joining us in our discussions of all things related to magic this week, and we are looking forward to having you again with us next week. Have a good rest of